We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. It's pink. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll say this. So this book, we're going we're gonna to do maybe a couple of spoiler free stuff but there's a ton of videos out for that we're gonna we're gonna do a spoiler talk today right and i want to get your thought on this 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 book is how do you describe it because looking it up i've I've watched a couple other people's videos and read a couple of written reviews and they describe it as sci-fi dystopia and i'm like huh is that how i would describe this book (laughs) oh i wouldn't i would describe this as uh so we have books that deal with the past those are called history books (laughs) <laughs> how do you have a book that is going to describe what the future is going to be? Because this is not a dystopia. This is just future book. <laughs> well, I, th- I think we'd call that sci-fi, right? <laughs> like <Yeah>. predictive sci-fi. <laughs> okay, predictive sci-fi. The, like, like, you know the author's German, right? So you know yes. there's going to be some schadenfreude, just, just really raunchy. Um, th- there, there's a term for it like when you cross the line. Like, like, whoa, that's inappropriate. And then you keep going, right? Like, in this story, they go to see Hitler, the musical. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this takes, like, what I call, what I, I, when I, after I was done listening to this, I did the audiobook, and I was talking to my wife. I said, this is, like, family guy. It just goes that far and then pushes it even further after you're uncomfortable. And just like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. And it made me laugh out loud so many times. And I have not laughed out loud so many times at a book. I don't know if ever. This may be the funniest book that I've ever listened to slash read. Yeah. And I don't normally really like political humor. I don't like to get involved. I don't like to pick sides. Uh, but this this book, everything was on the table. And it, t- it took a lot of pot shots, of course, at religion. It took a lot of pot shots at, of course, the uh, the right wing when they started talking about that lady that was like a professional commentator. Like her job was to go like post on YouTube videos, like like that sort of thing. But but she preferred to do the right side because then she could ignore things like facts and grammar. And I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> you can say the same joke about left wing. I'd still laugh. But <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely some pot shots. But I felt like the book was fair overall. I mean, it represented a lot of different sides. Um, but I think that it was so true of like, Hey, this is how things could go. And that's why I don't think it's like a dystopian at all of like, this is the way things could go politically. This is the way things could go, uh, you know, religious ways and like you get into the main character, right? So who's the main character of the story? Peter Jobless. (laughs) Yeah. His last name is Jobless. And I thought it was so crazy to make fun of like, all of time when people like, oh, what's your last name? Smith. Because some dude a thousand years ago was a Smith and that's how he got his last name to differentiate because everybody was named, you know, mm. out of the Bible. And I think that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, and you had the character, you had the character Martin Board, right? Because his dad was a board of trustees member or something like that. Yeah, and It was like, it was, it was longer than that. It was like Martin 
older board member of the committee. I don't know, something like that. But uh, it's you get the commentary too that also like um, you know passing name down generation to generation, Bible or not. Uh, you you see how the jobs are even passed down generation to generation in some regards too in the story. Yeah, a lot of nepotism in this story too, and I don't know if that's a call to Germany or because I felt like a lot of the story for Quality Land was, uh, and again, maybe I'm just taking it personal, and I was okay with it because I was laughing my ass off the whole book, so it was fine, but I felt like he was taking a lot of shots at America, and the influences maybe would be a better way of saying it, of the influences of America on the world as a whole. Uh, but I was fine with it because like, you know, of, of nepotism in, in our society of, you know, the billionaires and millionaire families that continue to hold power and influence. Uh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. So, so we have the humans we talked about, but we also have the androids. There's also the character like, uh, John of us <laughs> that was running for, for, uh, to be a politician, president. right? Yeah. Yeah. He's running to be president of the country and you get to be president now until you die, which I thought was very interesting. Well, you, you get to be, you, you also notice that the android almost, I don't know, to me was more human sometimes than the people. Oh, for sure. But like the best was when they're like, dude, do, do the uh, Independence Day speech because, because John of us looks like Bill Pullman, which is hysterical to begin with. <laughs> oh, so I, just yeah. think it's funny. I love, uh, I love that speech. So when they, they did that speech, and he just felt so, he's just like, okay, fine, I'll just do this. It's going to give me a little bit more uh, social currency in a sense. And, and the people are just like eating it up. And I'm like, wow, like the machines are almost like more empathetic and like like emotionally intelligent than the humans in this story. Yeah. I also took it, though, the political way of that John of us sees that he does have to play to his audience a little bit. He's reluctant to do it. Uh, but he still does it. You know, his um, manager, who is very abrasive, uh, is is trying to get him to be more human and more relatable. And he's like, look, I don't want to be human or relatable. I'm not human or relatable. I want to make life better for you. I know the right choices. And she's like, the people don't care. You need to lie to them. And isn't that kind of <laughs> true? Like, we want to be lied to, right? I mean, it's those little white lies that hold society together. Or there's some quote like that. Yeah. And John of us is like, why would people want to be lied to? I can tell them exactly how we can fix this and make life better for all. And she's like, no, that's not what people want to hear because people want, you know, what's best for them. And it does really kind of take a little stab at, you know, how materialistic society has made us very selfish individuals. And I, I, I thought it was a really good commentary. I totally just, I just dumped this book. I had this book that wasn't even very good, but I just liked it. It was called Why We Lie. And... On some levels, the book was interesting because it's that dose of truth of just like, look, you lie way more to yourself than to anyone else. Like, you probably lie once every seven minutes is is kind of like a statistic I hear. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But (laughs) That um, could be a lie. Well, it's it's, (laughs) fair enough. But let's take the, um, do these jeans make my butt look big? Yes. Meme, right? We, we. We can't, we can't honestly take the face value of that. It's the, what are you really saying? It's, it's, uh, the, the wife or, or the husband. I mean, the husband can ask too. Let's not be, let's not typecast people here. Right. But, uh, someone might be looking for emotional support. Uh, they might be feeling insecure about something. What they really want to do is feel better about themselves. And, and there's this, this lie of a story to, to kind of ask the question and you have characters, um, who was it? Sandra. Do you remember, do you remember she worked for 
the Department of Alternative Facts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, there's you're, you're correct. There's a neuroticism of the truth in this story. But I don't know how far removed that is from reality because we sure lie to ourselves a lot. Yeah, and you brought up a really good point, you know, that we we want to be, you know, we want to be lied to or we want to be made to feel better. And uh, I can't remember her name. Um, Martin's wife, uh, who he's like a Denise? very pervy. Huh? Is that Denise? Yeah, so Denise, um, like he got her pregnant when she was like 17 or 18 and he got stuck with her because he had to marry her. Or there had been a big scandal. And he's like, he he pervs on the little girls at his job. And he's just a sleazeball. But you, you'd you mentioned the robots are there. Uh, John of us was more human. Who are the two people that Denise turns to for the support and the help and the love and the kindness? Her AI best friend on the computer and her robotic nanny. And I thought, wow, isn't that so true nowadays that... When, when we're alone, where do we turn? We grab our phone and we go to Facebook mm. or mm. We, we go to um, some electronic, we go to video games or a movie for escape and for pleasure to feel better. And I was like, dang, man, this guy gets people. He gets life. Do we though? Because so many people talk about how when they go to social media, okay, one, on board with your comment that we're, we, we turn to technology. Agree with that 100%. When you say we we go there to feel better, do we? Because how many people, one, we it's like the dopamine hit. But yeah, I think we do. I, I do believe we think we feel better because we yes. get that dopamine hit when we get the comments, the notifications, and we go back. stuff like that. Yep. Uh, you, you might date yourself a little bit there by talking about Facebook, just saying. But <laughs> Okay, well, I can't talk about TikTok because you'll make fun of me. <laughs> but you will hear Rate and me. read the stories uh, yeah, Raimi's a good point, but but you read the stories about how people feel worse after going on social media because social media is a lie. It's a mask. You're putting on your best life. You're putting on the live, laugh, love. Like like here's me at this awesome place, <laughs> but you ain't you ain't taking pictures when you're at like your lowest point, right? Like well, except you know when the wife trips out the door, you hear about the husband getting out the phone to take a picture of his wife that just tripped. Like there's that, but for the most part, you're seeing the best of life, so you feel like. My life's not as good as that. Like, my life's not as good. And and the algorithm, when we see those and, and pause just a second longer on that photo or that video, the algorithm knows what we're drawn to. The algorithm isn't evil. The algorithm knows what we want, and we want misery. We want something that almost makes us feel worse because we want to see the best, but then we guilt ourselves because of it almost. So speaking of the algorithm, that kind of takes us to the plot of the story that there is Amazon, let's call it what it is, right? <laughs> there is the the shop, which is Amazon. It's totally it's this Amazon. company totally that <laughs> will send you whatever you need before you even know you need it because there's an algorithm that is so perfect, it sends everybody out all the stuff they need. And I kind of took the algorithm for almost like a deity of some sort. I don't know if I want to call it God or maybe a conscience that it is almost a living thing that is trying to predict what people need to stay within the realm of happy and miserable at the same time, because then they can be con controlled. And it felt like that's what the, the purpose of the algorithm was. And the whole plot of the story is right. That, uh, Peter jobless gets something from the, the shop, the store, Amazon Something. that he that he doesn't want 
Um, <laughs> but if you want to go into a rated R video, you you do you do it, my friend. What does he get? Oh, he gets the pink. Uh, do- now you're dolphin. gonna get me saying flamingo. It's the pink dolphin vibrator. <laughs> yes. They said it, I don't know how many times, but every time they said it, I giggled to myself a little bit. I don't know why. It's the the immaturity little boy in me, but we're, we're super immature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yes. I will I'm always be lie, immature. Though. Man, you read into that deep, bro, with the deity thing. I was just, I honestly, when I was reading that story, and uh, earlier, if you remember, he got beer, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I am sad. Like, oh, beer does make me feel better. I was just like, Boom. man, I wish beer, I, I kind of wish beer was showing up at my doorstep right now. Like, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you made a comment earlier. Do, do you think, where does consumerism exist in our lives? Buying things to make ourselves feel better? seeing things seeing our best life um where does that exist in the concept of replacing emotions or you know when we feel sad he bought beer to make himself feel better where where does consumerism exist in our lives and how it makes us feel i think it it is becoming our lives uh when i feel bad or i get bored i immediately grab my phone so i can get a hit of dopamine um you know Let's where are we going out to dinner? Let's get food. I mean, think about uh, there's that joke uh, by that comedian is when you go on vacation, all you're doing is eating in different places. I mean, all it is is consuming something of one sort or another, whether it be mm. food, social media, you know, buying clothes. All it is is just trying to like thick. And I, I don't want to get really, like philosophical, but it's trying to fill like that empty void in your heart, your soul, your whatever, because um, you're not content with whatever is going on in your life. And we see that in Peter Jobless. And the only time he finally feels content is when he makes another human connection. He has all these like droid robotic friends and he saved them. He's done the right thing in the story because he's a machine scrapper. And at a certain point, droid, the, the robots are supposed to be destroyed and he doesn't have the heart to do it. So he saves them, but he still doesn't feel fulfilled when he's doing a good deed. But he, when he finally makes a human connection, then he starts to have purpose and he's feeling, you know, better about himself and he stops caring about the algorithm, what others think. Dude, Peter and his, uh, do you, do you remember Rudolph with the Island of Misfit Toys? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's totally it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, you had the drone that was afraid to fly. <laughs> you, yes. You had the, the impotent romantic robot. <laughs> oh, yeah. You had that little angry iPad or quality pad thing. That that was a pinky, I think it was, or something. Because uh, I listened to this so long ago, she was hilarious. Oh yeah, when with the first girlfriend, when uh, the the wind devices, like their PDAs, they they didn't have, they didn't get along. It was nobody is his, and and sweetie was hers, I think. And they they like bickered and didn't want like Peter and his chicky chick to hang out until she eventually dumped him because she got a better match. Um, yeah, total. She totally swiped left on Peter. I'm just saying, but <laughs> but isn't, isn't that book- um? Well, how, how symbolic is that though? Like, like we we joke like, oh, that's ridiculous. But doesn't that kind of happen sometimes where we upgrade our partners? Uh, you ain't got to admit it to me. You let's, let's look at other people and judge them. It's certainly not us, right? It's those other people. But but you do see those people where um. Okay, you, you brought up a comedian earlier. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up Chris Rock. He he talks about how. You know, when guys get a girlfriend, it's like, oh, what she look like, bro? Like, like, and Chris Rock can do it because he can get away with it. I can't. But with girls, <laughs> it's just, it's just the, oh, what's he do? 
right? So, so do the guys replace the better looking, younger looking girl and do girls replace the more successful guy when the guy isn't providing, isn't going out and getting the job and stuff like that? How different is that honestly than what this chick did where she's the, 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 the algorithms like we got a better match. You want it? Swipe left. Like she takes them up on it. Like sometimes that kind of happens. It's more complicated, but it ain't that far removed. No, I just think the book makes it very crass. I guess that would be a oh, way yeah. of putting oh, it. Oh, for just, sure. Oh, yeah. 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 It's very blunt of like, this is what we do as humans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's that very, uh, you know, very dated uh, kind of thing of like, well, I can look at the menu. I just ain't ordering nothing. I mean, it, it's it, it's kind of human nature. And I think that's maybe what um, he, he's calling out in the book is that there's, it, it's just socially it's wrong, but... It's what we do as people. Uh, just, the book felt very self-aware in so many regards and relationships and even little things like the the earbuds, you know, that they uh, they put in because, like, nowadays everybody's walking around with earbuds in. It's just become a very social norm. Everybody has their phones. And it's just I, I love how the book calls us out on RBS. Oh, yeah. I remember early 2000s, if you took the L, like in Chicago— you, you you could not find a person that didn't have the wired AirPod earbuds, like listening to their iPod back in those days uh, while, while listening. Because we're <laughs> really trying to like avoid. We're, we're, well, yeah, we're really trying to avoid like this communication and talking. And you talked earlier about replacing your your down, so you go to your phone, social media for the dopamine hit. What happened to picking up the phone to calling your friend? You know what I mean? Like, like there is an element of technology replacing some of the humanity. Yeah. I mean, you see that a lot in this book. Uh, and I feel like that Peter finally realizes that he, it doesn't matter. Um, he sees the humanity in the robots that he's saved because he's going on this adventure. Uh, so as we get back to kind of the story, Peter is going to try to return the, the, the vibrator and because he doesn't want it. And so when he goes to try to return it, he can't because they don't have a return policy because they never make a mistake. Everybody always gets what they need because it's perfect. The algorithm doesn't make mistakes. So then he tries to circumvent the whole network and all of his robots that he saved kind of become like his little posse. And he realizes, you know, that uh, they become kind of a family over the course of the story. And uh, I think it's kind of very, very beautiful that um, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it is your technology or not, as long as you realize the value in something. Yeah. Um, do you know what a, a Turing, what's it called? The Turing test is? Is that like the Rorschach test? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, I guess. Um, so, so the Rorschach's where you look at it and visually tell right. someone what you see, right? So, yes. so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of the opposite. So you don't see per se who, who okay. you're interacting with. Well, let's say you're, you're in a, you're, you're sending a text message to two people and you get responses from both, right? You're like, okay, I talked to two people and a researcher says, okay, which one was the machine? Which one was the AI? And you're okay. like, oh crap. One of them was an AI. That's not the actual test. But, but the idea is if, if a machine could get so smart at faking human interactions, then then have we mimicked consciousness? Have we have we been able to replace humanity in a sense? And there's there's this has been a long ongoing question since like like the sixties or something like that. I'd have to look up the exact date, but it's this question of of when will AIs? 
be able to reach that level. And, and, and for some reason, we just have not been able to crack that code. Like we've, we thought we were going to have that in 2000 and we're still not at a point where machines can actually replace consciousness. Think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like yeah, what does it mean? Yeah. Because, because you could pass maybe small tests. Um, one of the earliest examples was uh, someone would say something like, oh my gosh, I, I just, I just had the, t- I just had the hardest day. Right. And what's the human response there? Well, well, tell me more about it. Like what was hard about it? And one of the first uh, machines that did a really good job of kind of like faking that the algorithm was uh, Eliza. And it just basically was like a therapist. It just repeated a question back to the person like, like, oh my gosh, my boss was a jerk today. Well, tell me more about that. Why, Why was your, what did your boss do? Like basically asking a question so that you tell more about yourself the person, even though they're not getting information from Eliza, from the, the question, they feel connected more, right? Like, isn't, isn't that weird that consciousness could almost be faked with, with a one-way street of just, just pouring your heart out to someone? Yeah. And I guess Peter kind of does that through the story to many different people and or robots and AI and stuff. And he, he discovers more about himself. And I guess that's kind of the, the purpose of self-discovery and I, I felt like that's what a lot of this book was was just self-discovery and uh i the book jumps around from different perspective um so when you listen to it or read it just know that that it doesn't follow peter through the whole story it, it follows john of us and um a, a few other characters as well but they're the two Mar- main I characters i kind of felt like martin martin might have been a third character there for me yeah martin is a third character um but i feel like self self discovery is a lot of what peter goes through and 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 john of us as well um that he discovers that the only way he's going to truly be human to the humans is self sacrifice and isn't that kind of the way of like how we sometimes judge each other is how much we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for the betterment of somebody else. That's quote a good person, right? And they don't see John as a person until he he sacrifices himself. Somebody tries to blow up um, the the at the end he wins being the president, and Peter and jo- John meet, and uh, Martin tries to blow them up, and uh, John sacrifices himself and saves Peter. Uh, I thought that was kind of a cool little ending twist. I didn't see oh, that coming cute. at all. That's cute. I, I like that. The The idea of, you said the word sacrifice, but you could also take it more pessimistic of what can I get out of you? Oh, that's so negative. Yeah, now, now <laughs> so I'm much of the, the other negative book was one negative. I wanted a happy one. ending. <laughs> we totally just flipped roles there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think about it too in the story. So Peter eventually does get to the the engineer that, created the algorithm and the store and he says no i don't want this vibrate was wrong and he's like no you do and without the vibrator peter doesn't go on the adventure he doesn't get to meet the president he doesn't get the girlfriend he doesn't have this self-discovery so i thought to myself did the shop make a mistake because all Mm. of this mistake helped peter become the man who he was and i thought it's the mistakes in our lives or it's the trials we go through in our lives that truly make us who we are. 
Oh, so should cute. you fight against them? <laughs> that's cute. You know, I, I just thought it was, I probably looked at the story a little bit more basic because I just thought it was interesting when he got to the algorithm guy and the guy's just like, um, well, we can't admit that we're wrong. Like we have to program in some things to be wrong because, you know, and, and they just come up with these BS reasons that were actually, I'm like, oh, actually that's kind of true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It was, it was a good story, but overall, um, is this the funniest story you've ever read? Oh, come on. When they were like, oh, yeah, we have Leo Tolstoy's new work out. It's called War. <laughs> and it just stopped right there. <laughs> it was oh, yeah, so and funny. Colli- well, and, and then they referenced a couple of literatures that we've read, right? And so they mentioned how, uh, what was it, Calliope, she Calliope. copied Anna, Anna Karenina, but nobody wanted to read it because it was too boring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, there's some good digs in there as well. I just, I don't know. I felt myself laughing out loud. And maybe it was the narrator that did a great job. Um, But, like, even Mm. the little commercials in between, it just, it was, Mm. I just felt like there were so many digs in so many different directions. I was just cracking up the whole time. And maybe it's not the funniest book ever, but it's one of the funniest books I've ever read. And I highly recommend it to anybody for a good uh, brain candy read. If you need a break from life, you're going to enjoy yourself through this book. So is the ultimate irony that if at the end of this video, we ask the audience to rate me, <laughs> if, it, if we're not a 10, then you need to fill out this questionnaire of what we need to do to improve your experience here at the Codex Cantina. One of the commentaries we didn't talk about is the economic commentary that if you're super rich, you get to be up in the 90s and you get away with all these other perks. And that's really how it is in real life. And if you're dirt poor then you're going to struggle a lot more through life and you might be a 13 or something. <laughs> you give up your rights to be searched. <laughs> yeah, like there's all these crazy things. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like that's really how society is because some people are 99s and some people are literally nines of how we're treated differently in society. This book has so much besides just the humor, political commentary, social class, it's technology, religion so many things are are brought to life here um it's just one that we could talk for about another 30 minutes but i i feel like we do a disservice to the book just go listen to it or read it please algorithms consciousness the secret to life you'll find it all in this book very entertaining read highly recommended my name is benuna crypto youtuber uh? <laughs> <laughs>